Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is a probably a single talk on neuroendocrine tumors of the duodenum. And the reason I'm showing this is I've seen a number of them recently. We always see some, but it's something that's we're seeing more frequently. And what happens is they're very easy to miss. So what I'm going to show you in this lecture are some of the easy lesions to miss in terms of diagnosing them at all and finding them and sometimes confusing them with other possibilities. And so duodenal neuroendocrine tumors make up about 3% of all GI endocrine tumors and are increasing in frequency. They include gastrinomas, somatostatinomas, non-functional neuroendocrine tumors, and that's the most common, and of course paragangliomas and poorly differentiated neuroendocrine carcinomas. The majority are non-functional, uh, but you can see them obviously with some syndromes, including Zollinger-Ellison. There's been some articles with classifications. You can see here, well-differentiated neuroendocrine, which is carcinoid, about 50 to 75%. Most of them are probably going to be benign. They're in that one centimeter or less range. Well-differentiated neuroendocrine tumors and poorly differentiated. Now, you can see that particularly the less aggressive ones tend to be smaller, uh, but again, they're important to diagnose and be able to resect. We actually wrote an article, I forgot about this article a couple of years ago, and here's just a few facts. Duodenal carcinoid tumors commonly appear as enhancing lesions in either arterial or venous phase, most commonly arterial. If a primary tumor is not seen in the duodenum, adjacent lymphadenopathy can be the clue to the presence of a duodenal carcinoid tumor, and in that case, the nodes are enhancing. One of the differential diagnoses with uh, duodenal carcinoid tumors is between carcinoid and gist. And they both can be small and it can be a difficult diagnosis. If I see a mesenteric mass or nodes, I'm more likely thinking carcinoid. Also, um, carcinoids tend to be endoluminal and gist tumors, even when they're small, tend to grow exophytically. So that can be helping. Now, I mentioned the reason I'm giving this talk is because the frequency of these tumors is increasing. Now, partly, uh, we're like 95 to 99% accurate in detecting them, but also there's been some registries which have showed over a 30 or 40 year period a three to four fold increase in men and six to seven time increase in women. So it's a very important diagnosis to be able to make. And again, we do talk about syndromes and if you have neurofibromatosis, you should think harder and look harder if you have MEN1. But again, most of these duodenal carcinoids are one-off. That means you see this tumor, there's nothing else, there's no history, perhaps it's an incidental finding, or you're valuing the patient for pancreatic pathology and you pick up the lesion, and I've seen that a number of times. Now, in terms of enhancement, again, if I had one phase to pick, I would pick arterial phase, but a lot of them still are very bright in the venous phase. Occasionally, they're brighter in venous than arterial, but that's a small percent. Um, I find that um, the arterial phase is going to be the most helpful for me. Um, one of the things about these lesions, particularly when they're small, they're polypoid lesions, very easy to miss. So if you're not giving oral contrast and the stomach's not distended, there's a good chance you're gonna miss it if the stomach and duodenum are not distended with fluid. Remember that it's why we are careful on protocols. It's also the fact, as I'll show you as I show you cases, 
that often it's the multiplanar reconstruction, particularly the coronal images that are the key to letting you see the lesion. Now I did mention that you can see adenopathy present that can be helpful. Now of course adenopathy is often vascular. You can see mesenteric mets, uh, mesenteric mass present with desmoplastic reaction. That's more common with ileal uh, neuroendocrine tumors. So let's look at a good example. This patient had some abdominal pain, vague symptoms. If you look hard, the pancreas looks good. We were evaluating for pancreatic pathology. But look at the one centimeter lesion under the circle in the duodenum. Okay? Look at it again. You see the lesion on the axial? And you see the lesion in the coronal view sitting right next to the GDA? And if I accentuate the image with 3D, look how obvious the lesion is. Here it's one centimeter, but you can see it from across the room. And I think that's the point, that if you are able to image correctly, it's easier to make diagnosis. Here's another set of images, same patient. Again, the arterial phase, and here is the venous phase. You see them in both phases. You see several things, how the coronal 3Ds are very helpful. You see how the coronals are very helpful. You also see how the importance of oral contrast is. You can see the stomach is distended, and so the duodenum is distended. And because the duodenum is, is distended, you see the lesion. Now, I did this also with cinematic. We're trying to use cinematic to be able to show us this better. And you can see right here, there the lesion is shown very nicely in that 3D coronal plane and just a very good visualization of that lesion. Let's look at another case. Here's a patient. The first thing you see that's obvious is a big hemangioma in the left lobe of the liver. And I don't see much here. If I look a little closer and a little harder in the second portion of the duodenum, you again see a subtly enhancing one centimeter lesion. And if you look at it again and you look at the coronal views, you can see, particularly in the coronal view, that one centimeter lesion. And again, sometimes the axials is just too much partial averaging for me. But there, look how nicely it's on the coronal. And here it is, I'm circling it. So 3D mapping works very nicely. MIP can be very helpful. The volume rendering is still probably better. But it's the coronal view that often is critical in looking and detecting smaller tumors. And here's another example, same case. Now look how obvious the lesion is with volume rendering. It always amazes me how obvious things are when you know where they are. And then here's just another view of that and another view of the hemangioma. In this case, the arterial phase you can see on the left shows the lesion better than the venous phase. It doesn't mean the venous phase doesn't show it. Now what else could this be? It could be an adenoma. It could be a gist tumor I mentioned. It could be a, a pancreatic rest. The arterial phase can be helpful, though, of course, we know that gist tumors can be very vascular as well, as can pancreatic rests. So just here, you can see image on the left, you see an image on the right, you don't. So it can be very subtle to pick up. And as you can see from these images, it's very, very easy to miss. Another example, S same appearance, right? Here's a lesion one centimeter in the duodenum. The duodenum is distended. I've seen about 20 cases that look identical. Look how nicely you can see the lesion. There's also a small lipoma in the duodenum. And here it is on the MIP, as well as the coronal. And here it is on the venous. And you can see how nicely you can see the lesion. 
Now if I take that same data set and I do cinematic rendering, this shows you very nicely celiac and SMA, the renal arteries. And then I'll look a little bit more carefully and now I see all the vessels. And now the lesion is not bright enough for me to see here, but if I then put back the soft tissues, you can see on these images, you see that one sodomy lesion? It sits right next to the GDA. And I've noticed that for whatever reason, the location of the duodenum is very close to the GDA in many cases. And here's one more example showing you that same patient. And I'll circle the lesion for you. You see how obvious the lesion is? Now we are trying to use cinematic as a way of accentuating tumors that tend to be overlooked. But this is a great example of something that commonly would be overlooked. If you didn't have the dual phase, if you didn't have the vascular enhancement uh, because of the fast injection and the early scanning, you would miss these lesions. And again, if you didn't give oral contrast, you would miss this lesion. And here it is again, just showing you from the uh, celiac to hepatic to GDA to the different branches in place. And again, showing you the lesion. It's interesting, the lesion almost has the texture of the pancreas because of its vascularity. But again, here's a range of different views. And I put a lot of images in this case uh, of each individual example to really give you a feel of how the lesions look. And this is a very common appearance. I saw one or two the last two weeks. Both of them were missed on the initial read. Both of them were missed on the outside CT scans. And again, you can move forward when you see this information. And here it is again, very nicely seen. So we can play around with the cinematic. And you can see here when I play around with the cinematic, right next to the GDA, the one centimeter lesion is particularly well seen. And a range of perspectives can be very useful. Now these are the one centimeter lesions. You may see larger lesions. The larger lesions are easier. Here's a lesion which at first looks like a pancreatic mass, but it's a mildly vascular exophytic lesion coming off the duodenum. Here it is, again, on coronal and axial. And then when you get some additional coronals, you can see how it's kind of coming off the duodenum. You can see why you might have thought of a pancreatic mass to realize there's a fat plane and this is not pancreas. You could have thought about a gist tumor, that's a possibility. I guess theoretically you could have thought about an adenocarcinoma, though we don't see any vessel invasion. The GDA looks really good. And here's another example, same patient. You can see as you go to venous phase, the lesion washes out, so it's a bit more difficult to visualize. If I take the same case arterial with cinematic rendering, look how nicely you see that lesion. There's a little cystic component to it. You see the mass. Here it is again with some more textural changes. We then create 3D maps for the surgeon, which shows nicely the SMA and the branches, including the branch to duodenum as well as jejunal branches. And you recognize specifically where the tumor is, though it's a bit harder to see, but it's right above that first uh, jejunal branch. Now, sometimes we see nodes I mentioned, and here's a little bit of a different appearance. This is fourth portion of duodenum, a little bit lower than the other cases. And you might say, could this be a um, carcinoma with nodes? Could this be a pancreatic tumor invading in? Those are both good thoughts, perhaps. But when you look at the epicenter, the pancreas is okay. What you're seeing near the pancreas are large nodes. 
And what you're seeing is an infiltrating tumor in the fourth portion of the duodenum that's hypervascular. It's not the polypoid lesion I showed you in the last bunch of cases. It's more of an infiltrating lesion. And you can see the mass in the mesentery here. Of course, that mesenteric mass is classic for carcinoid tumor. Now, the small ones in the duodenum I showed you did not have those mesenteric masses or local nodes. This one's not that large, but it's more infiltrating, and there's lots of nodes and this mesenteric mass. And you can see when you go down to the MIP, the mesenteric mass occluded the SMV confluence, huge collaterals around the SMV, infiltration into the mesentery. Here's another view of that infiltration. And here's another view showing you the desmoplastic reaction, showing you the arterial and venous involvement, showing you particularly impressive the occlusion of the SMV. So once you start seeing desmoplastic reactions, I'm always thinking of carcinoid tumors, so you're thinking about neuroendocrine tumor. And that becomes very important in both arterial and venous phase imaging. If I go back to the tumor now, you see how the vascularity is? So now look at this example, same patient. You can see the tumors involving the third and fourth portion duodenum. It's hypervascular, there's mass extending toward the pancreas, this tumor extending out. Just a very nice example. And again, the, uh, these images do accentuate the vascularity. What else could be confused with this? Adenocarcinoma is usually hypovascular. A carcinoid tumor, we said that's what it is. A um, just tumor doesn't have that infiltrating process. Lymphoma, not. So I think carcinoid's really a good thought here, unless you were saying metastatic renal, which is not the case. Another example, here's a mass in the third portion of the duodenum. There's a mass, it's ulcerating, which is shown right there. I have to admit, if you thought about this tumor, probably you're going to say adenocarcinoma, maybe lymphoma, but likely adenocarcinoma. The tumor is infiltrating the medial wall by the ampulla, extending near pancreas, involving vessels, very nicely shown. And my first thought in this case, because of its infiltration, the small nodes, it's just adenocarcinoma. Adenocarcinoma is still more common than anything else. And I'm showing you here some very nice views going from the region of the ampulla upward, infiltrating the duodenum, extending around branches off the portal vein, extending toward the root of the mesentery. And this infiltration is really nicely seen. This is surely a case that it's easy to undercall, but I think you are going to call that there's something infiltrating there. Maybe it's inflammatory. I guess that's a possibility, but when you start looking at the entire epicenter on the multiple planes, you realize it's going to be a malignancy. And then here it is with cinematic rendering. Again, the infiltration around the head of the pancreas and the peripancreatic region. The local nodes are all nicely seen. Good visualization of the nodes in the peripancreatic region are very nicely defined in this case. And again, this infiltration is really well-defined. Uh, just a really nice example through a range of perspectives. Now, sometimes it's really hard to tell if you're dealing with a duodenal mass or a pancreatic mass. That is, you know it's neuroendocrine, but where's the origin? Pancreatic neuroendocrines can involve the duodenum. Duodenal neuroendocrines can extend to the pancreas. Now, in this case, there are huge nodes present, and the nodes are hypervascular, and I'll show you that over a few images. And it makes it a bit challenging. There is, look like, like there is tumor in the duodenum, but there's so many nodes present. What's going on precisely? 
Well, if you look at the coronal view here, it's really in the second and third portion of the duodenum is the patient's of hypervascular tumor, the patient's neuroendocrine tumor of the duodenum, and the rest are very large nodes. I mentioned you can get nodes, but this is the best example I have of large bulky nodes. You can see here surrounding the SMA. You can see how it extends down toward the root of the mesentery. You can see even on venous phase imaging near SMV, SMA, large bulky necrotic nodes pushing on the IVC. You can see it here again in the coronal perspective. So it's a really unusual example. I don't think you'd have a problem recognizing what tumor you're dealing with or where the tumor is, but you might even consider renal cell with vascular nodes. There's a lot of things you would consider, but unless you focus on the abnormality of the duodenum, you're going to get the wrong answer. And here it is again, just some additional images. So I think the appearance of these tumors is variable from polypoid lesions to infiltrating lesions to bulky lesions with large necrotic nodes, with the nodes being vascular, nodes involving and including the patient's portal vein, and just tumor having calcification. So again, beautiful example on venous phase imaging, and here it is with MIP. Now, the surgeon wanted to operate on this patient, so we gave them some images. Look at the cinematic portal vein, splenic vein, SMV. Look at the large bulky masses, those large nodes really infiltrating around the vessel. You can see it very nicely here, the branching of the GDA. You can see the vascular map of the venous, the narrowing of portal vein, splenic vein, SMV confluence of the vessels are patent, but you can see how extensive and how large the tumors are. And again, here's just another view of that. And here it is, mesagenal view, beautifully oriented to the celiac, but especially to the SMA, near the renal arteries, near the patient's IMA, bulky, infiltrating, large vascular tumor, and you can see that again. Here it is against the portal vein. And I have been using cinematic. You can see why. Look how nicely the orientation of the vessel is to the tumor. Uh, this patient would not be resectable for a number of reasons. But look how large the patient's tumor indeed is. So again, looking also nicely here, the shading of the liver, the spleen, portal vein, splenic vein, SMV, and individual branches, all well-defined. And so as you are planning therapy, you can really quantitate the amount of disease. And again, if you're contemplating surgery, that can be used for surgical planning. And here's just a few more cinematic views from below and from above. And here's one where actually you can see the motion. So I just wanted to give you a feel on this, on this uh, image that the patient has uh, really the motion at times can be very helpful, showing you the integration and the uh, appearance of the vessels and the relationship to the patient's tumor. Uh, and I think it's nice and helpful in this situation. So uh, I've shown you now a range of cases from small to larger tumors, from tumors with nodes and without nodes. I haven't shown you things like liver mets, which are very common and they show best on arterial phase imaging, but the range of appearances is indeed impressive. So I'll summarize saying the waddle neuroendocrine tumors make up up to 3% of GI neuroendocrine tumors. There's a range of tumors that function ranging from gastrinomas to somansinomas to uh, um, 
other types like polydifferentiated neuroendocrine. But the majority do not cause hormonal syndromes, and it's often an incidental pickup. Some of the cases I showed you were bulky. You can imagine the patients obstructing. Others are polypoid lesions, which are detected incidentally. Once you have syndromes like Zollinger-Ellison, you see really thick folds, Cushing syndrome, carcinoid. Um, all of those have other findings that could lead you to the right diagnosis. So with that, I'll stop. And I'll thank everybody for their attention. Have a great day. Bye. If you liked what you heard here today, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit our website, ctss.com, for lectures, quizzes, pearls, and more. Also, be sure to check out our apps that are available for free on the Apple Store. All links are in the description box below.